All right, everybody, it is Crosstown Conversations. This is Jean Nathan, and I have celebrities in my studio with me this morning. You have no doubt heard the name Baptiste, right? Because there's just a few of them. <laughs> and they've been around for just a little bit. And they are all over the map. They're in New Orleans. They're on the big stage in New York. And they are a part of the lifeblood of our city. And, and we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about these musical families, um, in New Orleans, which is a phenomena that, you know, coming from someplace else 40 years ago. Guys, I'm no newbie, you know. But 40 years ago, we, um, I'm trying to get untangled here. We we came up with this phenomena of the New Orleans musical families, the Batistes, the Jordans, the Marsalises. The Andrews. The, the Andrews. And the uh, Dejans. Dejans. It goes on and on. The it Caesar is the family. Most, huh? Ricky Caesar and his, and his family. Just many. It, it's, it's just one of the amazing phenomena. And you know, it's, it's both a, um, it's a product of, first of all, how close families are here in New Orleans. I, I'll never forget when the uh, Katrina hit the Ninth Ward and I, I really became more aware of the extent to which that whole neighborhood on the, on the bayou side of Claiborne you know, I don't know exactly how many, but and, one and we family missed, we, could have 20 houses. We missed the Fraser Brothers for Rebirth. Okay. Now, you see, I've gotta, I'm have got I'm going to have to write some of this down because <laughs> I don't want to forget this because, you know, I have a an older memory. But it's, it's just phenomenal. So I, I want to start with just the question of, you know, how do these families um, – how has this worked? What has been the glue and um, – uh, we're always thinking, and I know you guys, we're, we're here both with Damon Baptiste and David Baptiste. Okay? Senior. Okay. There's David Russell Baptiste Jr. Okay. Okay. I see. There are so many juniors and seniors and thirds and fourths around here. You know, I hang with the Taurus uh, guys, and every time I say I work with Sydney Taurus, they always say, oh, little Sydney. I say, no, no. One of the, Sydney the third, who wow. is dad. Yes. One of the things that, that happened at the uh, Jazz and Heritage Festival, I don't know what, what year it was, but um, uh, the late Harrison, uh, great. Harrison, too. Yeah, the Harrison, Harrison family. Yeah. The late great. Um, Harold Baptiste, because there was, uh, before my time, you got Harold, Milton, and um, who else, Dad? Harold, Milton, and Alvin. Yes. Baptiste, and people used to always ask what we related. We really didn't know, but Harold Baptiste took it up on himself and did some and, research. And also Uncle Lionel. Uncle Lionel. Oh, my God. Baptiste, but Harold took it up in final. You're talking about Uncle Lionel and Treme? Yes. He's a bad, I forgot he was yeah. Baptiste. Yes. Yeah. And oh so God. people always ask where you guys related, but he he went to the Genealogy Institute at the Smithsonian and found out that we were of course related, and yeah. that people spelled their name different because of uh, you know sometimes uh, people of color birth certificates were not respected, so people's names were spelled with two T's with one P, and yeah, our sure. our name as we know was originally Jean Baptiste. B a p t i s t. Yeah, b a t with the course, j yeah. j e a n. Sure. And then we did a show at the Jazz Fest uh, called "Let the Good Times Roll" with um, Alvin, Harold, and Milton featuring uh, the Baptiste Brothers. 
Um, and I think I saw that it, show. It was a, just a little clip. That's why I knew about you all. On that, uh, on that, but we um, we had just recently, two years ago, I've, w- I was in France, and we did something uh, called the the Baptiste Father and Sons of the New Millennium, and it featured David Baptiste Senior, Russell Baptiste Junior, Jamal Baptiste, uh, Damon Baptiste, and Ryan. Baptiste and my daughter Nala Baptiste and Layla Baptiste, they sung on a collaboration French <laughs> CD that was a children's book that we're going to release and show during uh, the the Jazz Fest this year. Um, so there's not at the Jazz Fest. Well, not not at the Jazz during Fest, Jazz but Fest but season, just yeah. during Jazz Fest right. time. Sure. Uh, that we will actually. All right. So listen, we got Baptiste, Jordans, Harrison's, Andrews, Marsalis's. The Frasers. Frasers. The Nevilles. Oh, my God, the phrase of the Nevilles, of course. The Dijon. Dijon. And Gospel. And you uh, mentioned one other that I'm missing. Just a whole lot. Oh, I said kid. I said the Jordans. Are you kidding? The Jordans were some of the first musicians I ever knew and worked with. I used to do a lot of music booking. You have you the guys. Chatters? Because you, don't, you guys yeah, don't yeah. even know about my history, but when I worked with the CAC... I did a thing called the Do Drop In. This is before the Jazz Fest started doing it, copying me, hello. Wow. And I did this, you know, late night jazz jams. The first year we did it, we did it from midnight till dawn, straight through from the first day of Jazz wow. Fest to the last. And I was working at WDSU as a reporter in the morning. I would have to be there at 10. I'd leave the CAC at 5 in the morning, get to the station at 10. That was kind of a rugged schedule. The following years, we we quit a little earlier in the morning but um yeah no i worked uh, uh kent jordan the flautist accompanied dance classes that i taught when wow. i first got here because i was a dancer my background is in dance personally in, in dance and um so and kid jordan of course is a monster yes he is m-o-n-s-t-e-r he actually he taught um a lot of well you taught my brother paul and my son ryan Russell. Uh, all of us uh, just have the utmost respect for Kid and his, so, so his daughter Stephanie. It just you know Stephanie just, too, right. of course, and and uh, um, Michael. Now look, here's the thing. Uh, that's part of why these families have developed, and your families go beyond your blood, right? Because yes. your instinct to nurture and educate. In the world, as we talk about our bad education system and the schools have issues, big issues, and still do, even though we're going through a revolution. But individually and in family networks, y'all are taking care of business in, in the sense of working with the younger people. And this is, of course, Damon and I have been talking for the first time, really. We haven't known each other and uh, about working up uh, Lee just add the, the Paulins, add him. Hey, hey y'all, 260-9265, if you've got some other families that we need to add to this list, because yeah, I'm up to do. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, and I think there was a couple we mentioned that I, I don't have on the list here yet. Yeah, it's the Caesar uh, brothers, that, you know. Caesar, Caesar. Yeah. I, now, Caesar, so the only, I know one Caesar who's a pian- pianist. Well, Ricky Caesar and Norman, Norman, Norman's brother. Right. Oh, okay. Right. And, and Gene, listen, when I started my band, David Baptiste and the Gladiators, in the early 60s, the response to live bands and families and music was absolutely tremendous. I had Sheila Allen singing with me, Reginald Houston, and Sheila became, Allen came from a family, Reginald Houston 
wound up working with uh, Charmaine Neville. Cyril Neville was one of uh, David Batista and the Gladiators was one of the first bands, if not the first band, that Cyril Neville sung with as a as a lead singer with wow. the, with our group. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's after we won the Apollo Theater in 1965. Mm-hmm. And I got a chance to to tell Alan Toussaint that when in 1960. 60 or 61 when he came to Bunce Willis Junior High School and played the piano. In 1962, 63, David Baptiste and the Gladiators was born. And yeah, so you, you I can guess, actually say you know, that. And, and that was the family. It, the, the, the family thing is just part of that. When people would right. go out, that's, that's the son. other thing is that exposure yeah. to the work of yeah. the generations before you. Because yeah. he was in turn inspired by... Uh, he, I actually, the very first fundraiser I ever did in the city of New Orleans, and I already talked about this when, when he passed, um, was with Alan. And he had not been doing charity events to that time. That was his first that we did for the birth of the Contemporary Well, you Arts can Center. add the Tucson family to the music list because Alan yeah. has a son, Reginald Tucson. Reggie and actually, Allison, yeah. yeah and that, Reggie's in the business. Right, Reggie plays, you know. Which is, which is another point that I want to bring out in this discussion because – I was telling your dad about, you know, our Creative Futures program where we try to, to instill in kids the expectations of what they can do in the fields of entertainment and the arts. And it's yes. not just about being, this is my favorite catchphrase, you, you may not be Beyonce, but you can be her publicist, her producer, her accountant, right, her, her, her financial her travel her manager, her yeah. travel You know, there's so many jobs Makeup in the stylist. creative industries. And I always say there's 12 pages of Department of Labor jobs. So one of the things that we try to do is make sure that people understand that they may not have that voice. I can't sing. Y'all, I love singing. I can't sing on tune. I can't sing on tune. Gene, listen, this is David Baptiste speaking in behalf of, well, some of the band directors. The band directors and the music teachers of the heart and soul, I I, want to say give my respect to my brother Paul who retired, who's one of the best guitarists I ever met in my whole life, Paul Baptiste. And um, he's David Baptiste and the Gladiators again. But... The band directors, such as Mr. Anderson, my band director at Bunceville is Junior High. Uh, um, band directors. Yeah, yeah um, that's another part of it. Mm-hmm. But you Walter can say, Payton's dad, right. band director. Uh, oh, the Paytons, um, that's another family. Well, you, right, right, you can say the, the Rollins, Mr. Wilbert Rollins at right. Landry Walker, and his 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 uh, brother, Mr. Rollins, at 35. So you got you, know, you got Hamp at Saint Aug. You have the young, the lady who just recently passed, who was the music director at Carver. You know, there's so many music directors that inspired these kids to go on. And then, like myself, took time after the band, after the marching season, after the marching season was over, to pick these kids up, take them to places, give them the inspiration. And as I said, Alan inspired me to do that. So I got a chance before he passed to look him in the eye and tell him that all these hundreds of kids that I'm bringing around and working – he inspired me, and I let him know what inspiration is. So, And that's how it was for me, too. I was inspired by him when we worked on this fundraiser, and he's the one who told me about the Dew Drop in and how all the cats cut their chops there, you wow. know, would come in and jam and, and learn how to play. Gary Lewis, what you got? Oh, how y'all doing? Good. The Baptiste Brothers and the Neville Brothers. The Neville Brothers, Baptiste Brothers, the Eddie Bowles. Yes. The Barbara, the Barbara George. Yes. I know. Malin Barbaran. Uh, Deacon Jones. Uh, inspiration to the to, uh, 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 the city of New Orleans. 
city of New Orleans, baby, we always going to have the talent here. You know, it's it's. I think um, we have probably one of the most creative uh, um, student bodies at our schools of any place in America. And uh, here's my frustration: right now, there's a program uh, being developed by the state to certify students in fairly in in high growth, high earning jobs, and the state. Workers, I'm not exactly sure what the name of this commission is, but there's a commission that confirms certifications, and they won't certify so far an arts and entertainment pathway so that people who are interested in learning and that can be certified and get their education in that. And this is the state of Louisiana. Meanwhile, you've got cities like Denver. Wow. And and we should be the first on the list, you know, and on and on uh, places all over America that understand about the creative industries, and we still don't. And, and really the inspiration is just not so much. Gary, I didn't mean to jump on you. You you finish. Yeah, Gary, what you tell them about you know, well, kids and the, they they are teachers. They are you know not only just they're educators. So that's the other side of the, the, the performance and on stage and. The, the band and stuff, these guys are educators, too. They're letting them know how important the academics are, how they are tied together. And, you know, so the teachers give them props, too. My thing is the teachers that come down here, they come down here from New York, Chicago. Now, don't you go knock in New York. That's where I'm from, boo. These teachers can't teach our children. All they come down here for a paycheck. Pay the student loan off and go on about their business. You know, Gary, I don't really agree with you about that. I don't necessarily think that they're in 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 someone, sync with our kids. Well, well, hold on a second. Here's here's my feeling. A lot of these people come down with that AmeriCorps program or the teachers, whatever it is, Teachers Corps. They're 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 do-gooders. They want to do a good thing. The problem is that they don't. Our culture here is more complicated and complex than they are ready to understand and deal with. And there's so much pain in the community because of our I know, you economy. Know why? Uh, why you get rid of all the school, all the uh, qualified teachers, like Kathleen Blango, file and um, um, qualified teachers, they have the teachers back. This wound and what you call heal. that? You know, I, I just said it. That's a wound that doesn't want to heal. It was a bad thing. It was a terrible thing. Uh, and I'm not going to... Um, uh, back off on that, but well, the people in Louisiana never forgot about that too. I know that, they're, and they're never right. going to. And I, and, and then also about, it lost a lot of our middle class people in the city. Never forget about that. All right, brothers and sisters was murder. Yeah, Gary, I totally agree, and I thank you for for bringing us back to that. Be blessed, my brother. Be blessed. inspiration, brother. Thank you. Be blessed, and I truly mean that. Y'all take care. Thank you. Okay, now we've been talking in general about these families, but let's zero in on the Baptiste family in particular. So, you were talking a little bit about your genealogy, and you know, I keep saying this. I I want to do my genealogy because my husband accuses me of having Scythian blood because the Scythian women were warriors. Wow. <laughs> so he says, you've got some warrior in your girl someplace. Or either that or he always says, you know, you can take the girl out of the Bronx. You can't take the Bronx out of the girl. I guess it's true, <laughs> and I don't apologize anymore. I give up. That's who I am. But tell me about you guys in particular, and let's go back as far as you can and, and build me the blocks of how your family evolved to be this musical family. 
this is David Senior again speaking. Um, it started off with my father and my um, band director at my junior high school, Bunchville's Junior High. He told him I, I played the bass drum in the school band, and my band director, that's why I have so much admiration and respect, Lloyd Harris. All these, I just keep, names keep popping in, a great band so director. So Lloyd Harris, did he work at, at McDonald, uh, uh, John McDonough too? Because that name is so familiar to me, Lloyd, Lloyd Harris. That I would be mistaken if I give you an answer to a school because yeah, I actually yeah, don't know. But he was at a popular school. He had, you know, he was a popular uh, band director, inspiration mm-hmm. to a lot mm-hmm. of kids. He had the first all girls band. Yeah, really? completely. Yes, wow. the all girls band. Yeah, wow. it was absolutely. Um, but my my band director told my dad. My dad followed up on uh, getting me um, a set of drums, and from there, um, the electric piano. And the brothers, as the band started out. And my brothers was younger than me. So I had older musicians coming around. And as the older musicians came around, they were showing my younger brothers how to play. And Paul Baptiste picked up the guitar. Uh, Late Night with Stephen Colbert's dad, Michael Baptiste Sr., he picked up the the bass guitar and started playing the bass. And we were so poor that uh, we always had the bar equipment. So my daddy finally got a chance to buy me an electric horn and piano. And I surprised John... Uh, dad uh, um, with his first bass guitar and his first amp. My brother Paul got his guitar. And uh, and then, see, not only family, when the family was playing, my daddy was sort of the guy that brought it to the neighborhood. So it's not just the family, the Baptiste family. When we played, other people, other families joined us. So it wasn't just so much about us. We brought in other people. As my son Russell with his band, Russell Baptiste and Friends, that's just not him. That's just that's, that's whites, black, Latinos. He has a multiracial band. David Baptiste and the Gladiators in the 60s was a, a martial, uh, excuse me, a multiracial band. Uh, back then when it even wasn't cool, I had white guys sneaking. In, in fact, WBOK should, I was the first, the, my first appearance on the radio station here was when WBOK was on Barone Street. Barone Street, yeah, with David Baptiste and the Gladiators, and and Champ Clark was the great announcer, and Al Gurrier was back there and brought David Baptiste and the Gladiators on the radio. And I had a white guy playing sax with me, with Reginald Houston, uh, with the horn players um, when we came on BOK. And that's so far back. Anybody remember Barone Street, WBOK callers? (laughs) Um, Tyrone, what you got? Oh, yes, I'm just happy I'm called from Franklin Park. The Baptiste brothers been around a long time. I've been knowing David for a long time. I used to work with his brother Paul at Teacher Brothers. But anyway, they are really great, and I'm just proud to see that their legacy still live on. And and for that old man, David is still having all the energy that he had. But, <laughs> he's no old man. Uh, he's a baby. He's only in his 60s. the Baptiste brothers a lot because they have been the greatest ambassadors we have had in the city of New Orleans. So keep it up, fellas. Thank peace. you. Yeah, peace and blessings, man. We That's a huge compliment. <laughs> Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you very Tyrone. much. God bless. Uh, the Black Latino? Hey, 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 Damian. That's, uh, that's Rafaela? <laughs> Rudy Mills. Oh, what's up, Rudy? Rudy Mills? Wait. Gasolina? You, wait, Rudy Mills, how do you come as Latino? I know you, Rudy. I, he was one of the first people I met in New Orleans. <laughs> you remember that? Know, we're talking you know, with the government campaign. Every Saturday morning. <laughs> Happy New Year, Rudy. Happy New Year, Rudy. Hey, Sam, to y'all. I just want to want to go back a little bit, and I'm gonna get off get off right quick, okay? I remember the Baptiste brothers. 
at the Devil's Den on Tulane and the Green Door at the foot of the Claiborne Bridge. <laughs> and I'm gone. <laughs> Bob's Green Door. I love that place. Look, I was, I'm, I'm partly off of Cluett Street in the Night Ward. Uh, my mom had seven boys, so we come from uh, Camberon Street. All of us, uh, six of us, charity hospital babies. Uh, my brother John was born in New York. He's a graduate of Suno and, and Saint Aug. Um, but uh, we're from all over the city. We're from Bread City. I was staying in Little Farms before Bunch Village was developed. I used to, John used to be a security guard watching the, the watching the construction site as they built Bunch Village. So I don't know. I don't know if the city of Kenner was obviously that first, but Little Farms back in the early 50s. My father had one of the first hardware stores in Jefferson Parish, John Baptiste's Hardware, i.e. the Elm Street Hardware and Grocery on South Elm Street in Little Farms. That's what it was called. Now it's called River Ridge and and Bunch Village and all that. But Bunch Village is a was a concrete uh, subdivision. We had cans on the roads in Little Farms. But now wasn't, wasn't Bunch wasn't Bunch another one of the um, uh, uh, music families. There was a bunch early jazz I remember, and I don't remember the first name. Uh, Ralph J. Bunch was a, f- a famous uh, uh, educator. That's who school. But there was, was a, there was a bunch that was part of the early early um, jazz guys too. Sheila. Sheila. What's going on? My name would be Sheila Allen. Hi, and, Sheila, um, Sheila Allen. Sheila Allen was the first female vocalist in David Baptiste and the Glass. Good morning. Good morning. To all Outstanding. Of course, I love you all. I'm I'm still affiliated with the Baptiste band, but <laughs> absolutely. Family I'm gonna ha- I'm gonna have to have the we Baptiste have a song reunion every week and, here. And, right, we might have to have a reunion <laughs> just get everybody two, to come two together. Two months ago, but I'm just so happy about all that has transpired with the Baptiste family. I watch Jonathan as often as I can, and I I still feel connected. Well, Sheila, you should, you should see. You could tell the audience that. The, the little farms and people in Bunch Village supported David Baptiste and the Gladys. When I, we couldn't make it to a gig, Mr. Lee let us use his truck, Mr. Isaac Lee, uh, uh, Mr. Williams and the family. So the, oh, the, yeah. the, the, the band is a part of a it whole community of people helping us. Your, your mom and dad, Sheila, helped us get around. after my mother, who is Loretta Allen. <laughs> so it was just one of those things that we just enjoyed. We enjoyed the music. We had a good time. I'm still having a good time. I'm in gospel music now, but I just saw David at my church a few few months ago. Yeah, with Joe Cool Davis. Exactly. So we just, you know, you just keep doing what you're doing. I'm loving it. I watch you all all the time. When I hear the name Batiste, of course, I look for you. I look for all of you. So I, I, I know Damon and, and them through their mom, and I see her. So, you know, we just, we just do what we do. Well, thank oh, you, Sheila. Look, Damon is going to be, we got a big uh, announcement about the Carver Theater where we're going to be doing stuff. We got a reunion of David Baptiste and the Gladiators that's coming up. We have a kids' talent show. Uh, we're doing the tribute to the Community Relations Department of the New Orleans Police Department for Sidney Cates, uh, Senior, uh, Detective Bernard Francois, Arthur Bell, some of the other community relations officers that I work with. We did the two. Uh, we did. We started off the police community relations uh, talent shows with Bernard Francois, and we did the FM 98 talent shows. That was very successful. Right. 81 and 82, uh, because we had already did the very successful police talent shows. So well, the I p- look police department. To all of it. I listen to Gene Nathan's show 
every Thursday. Oh, Sheila, you and, make and my Sheila, heart beat. And Sheila, I would say beat. this: there, there's a we have an after-school program that we work with Landry Walker. They have a tremendous choir, so maybe I may do something uh, and bring in you know friends of the, the Baptist family with the kids and gospel music because Absolutely. we we have we have some events that's coming up to save the date that we're bringing in. <clears throat> New artists, or not new artists, but artists like uh, Angie Stone, uh, Vivian Green, uh, Dougie Fresh, and um, the last one, uh, and, and, and Life Jennings, uh, to yeah. the to the Carver Theater in between March the 26th to May 28th, just to kick off, you know, uh, giving back or uh, rediscover the Carver and the Treme community with the Baptiste family and friends. So, so if anybody out there. Sounds wonderful. Just keep me informed about what's going on because I would like to be around sometimes live, okay? okay? All right. God bless. I love you guys. Thank you, Sheila. Thank you so much for listening. And um, for for anybody out in the audience who does not know about the Carver Theater, you know, it's still relatively new. And a lot of us who live, I live just a few blocks away, so I know about it, but um, for for people who are not that familiar with it, uh, Damon, fill us in. Well, it's just a beautiful uh, facility, a theater that's been renovated that you will see a lot more national and international programming come into that area. So just uh, be alert and uh, just um, you will see once we, you know, make some actual press announcements about the talent that's coming there. Just keep your eyes open for the Carver Theater because we have some wonderful things. But let's go back to the origins of the Carver Theater and why it's there and why it's well, still there. Well, in the there. 50s, from my history of reading certain things, uh, it was one of the only places that people of color could go to in, in you know, as a movie theater, theater. Movie mm-hmm. theater. And um, George Washington Carver uh, was a big advocate for edutainment. So we're going to, tr- to probably do that. a lot of um, educational f- uh, forums because I'm getting educated about, you know, all because, the great things you know, that came you know, through the There were very few theaters. They had the Gallo Theater. They had the Ace Theater. There wasn't a lot of black theaters. Because your grandfather used to bring me to the to we used to get all the kids. Well, we together. probably want to bring in some great historians to really exactly. talk about you know uh, about all the experiences in the area there and what it means to have that area still. You get people like Carl Gelman, he knows a lot about the history. Well, of, some actual you know, researchers and folks that have lived Lord in Dennis, that, all in those area. guys they know you know the Black Data Magazine, C- TJ. Uh, a lot right. of have the information. Mr. Vincent Silva, and you know, has yep. a lot of information. About the call and history. I knew about Vincent's involvement in it, and and Vincent, you know, I, you got to give Vincent so much credit because absolutely. And not only did he uh, help bring the Carver back, but um, also the African American Museum in yes. Treme, which, uh, it, you know, that's still going through its birth pangs, but it's going to happen. Miss Mary. Yes, how y'all doing, uh, Jean? Um, I can give you a little history about the Carver Theater when we were teenagers. Please. We could go in the Carver Theater with three bottle caps from Pepsi Cola. Wow. And you have a line almost two blocks long to get in the show. Wow. Whoa, what a story. Yep. Bringing the community together. Yes, indeed. Three so bottle enjoy, caps. And also, I really in, uh, enjoy listening to uh, one of the Baptiste brothers. I remember you all from way back when, you know? Yeah, that's that's that David Baptiste and the Gladiator area deal. Um, oh, I'm sorry. We, yeah, a guy brought up the Nightcap, the Devil's Den, the Sands, uh, Club 77. Uh, is the, sand, the Sandpipers <laughs> over on, uh, is that Washington or Louisiana? Are you talking about that place? Uh, I'm actually referring to the Sands that was out on Jefferson Highway. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, so I many know about that one. See, so people are bringing up titles that are historic. 
I'm not even going to call the name of the place, but Historic Place is one of the historic uh, venues of music and everything else. To, to me, Perkins Lounge, the Young Men's Club, you know, the, the Dew Drop, those are historic New Orleans. Oh, uh, yeah, you mentioned something. I do remember the, uh, Perkins Lounge and yes. uh, Club 77 and yes. some other places. Ma'am, let me ask you this question. I know there's, out in there, there's, the Bluebird. there's the Rip Studio right next to the Carver, and I have some history that Ray Charles used to record there. So uh, do you know anything about that, that building that's right next to the Carver? Uh, not really. Okay, well, it used to be a recording studio, and people like Ray Charles and Little Richard, you know, have actually right. recorded in there. So we're going to bring up all the, the great history, you know. You know, I want to ask you a question, guys. Yes. <laughs> My husband is a is is totally addicted to Little Richard, right? That's like when his number one. Wow. Oh, yeah. And, um, I know why. I understand he's still alive. Yes. Yeah, that's the video. Do you know video. anything about whether he's performing? Wouldn't that be amazing if we could bring him in? It would I told my husband it probably be a lot of trouble. Well, <laughs> you know what? No, I have friends, you know, um, that's passed on. Eugene Synagogue, that's another family, the Synagogue family. Eugene played uh, with Little Richard. Uh, there's so many uh, artists that came down to use New Orleans musicians. Yeah, Eugene Synagogue, yes. Hey, you know, I'm very, I'm very happy to know that you all are still, still into your music and still doing it because a lot of people that that was originally that started out here, some of them had to go out of town and get recognition before they could come back and be recognized. Well, what I, what I'm going to be doing, dear, is I don't want y'all to recognize me after I'm dead. I'm in the Louisiana <laughs> Music Hall of Fame. That little keyboard I got one in front of me right now is called a melodica. Watch Late Night with Stephen Colbert. I didn't teach my nephew that. I, I found out through reading in an article that my son Damon told me. He said, I used to see my Uncle David pull that little instrument out of the box, and people would follow him. I think it was in the New York Times, one of those major magazines. And I didn't know that I had that impression on my nephew about this instrument. But, but you every know, inst- kid at my school, at Renew School, where I'm doing music, all of them know about this melodica. From pre-K up to the eighth grade, they know what this instrument is. Yeah, well, that, that, that's uh, wonderful. I want you to. And I, I hope you continue on doing what you're doing. Which y'all support, dear. Listen, old man David Baptiste and the Gladiators is calling on every supporter that every, for the last 50, I've been doing it for 53 years. I need everybody. Okay. For the children. For the children, I need everybody. I got a horn that I'm going to be raffling off. I have all seven of the city council people to sign it. We're going to raise money for the children. You can feel a part of it. I want everybody to feel a part of it. Just like when we started our band, everybody felt a part of the band like it was the neighborhood raising the band. I want everybody to be a part of me and my family. David R. Baptiste Sr. I don't have anything against none of the other wonderful Baptistes, but Michael Baptiste Sr. is John Baptiste Late Night. That's my brother. That's my nephew. When you want to think of where he comes from, think of David Baptiste and the Gladiators. <laughs> All right, Miss Mary, done. thank you. Okay, okay, great. Now, listen, we, uh, I've got uh, Telly Mandina here, and, and uh, I want to talk about the election a little bit because um, I, I've been uh, watching it like it's a soap opera. It is so riveting nationally. I watch it every night. Me too. Rachel <laughs> Maddow and, and, um, and, uh, and uh, all the other ones Alex that Wick, her. Alex, I watch all of them myself. Okay, well, we're going to talk I'm about that. I'm into it, trust me. We're going to add that to the conversation, but before we do that, two things. First of all, we have so much more to talk about. We're going to have to have a part two 
of this bad show. You, you warned me, didn't you, that we're going to have a part two. After people call in and say they want to hear it, and let, let no, us know. I've had more call-ins this morning with you guys than I usually get, I promise you, because I can be a little wonky on this show sometimes. Okay, um, but what I would like to, to do, if you don't mind, is I'd love you to play this instrument. Now, I want to tell you the first time I ever saw it, Toussaint was playing it. He did, he did it, too. I saw him in, in live and in studio using that. What, but this is, guys, this is like, to me, it reminds me of the little I wonder thing. who he's seen playing it. Huh? <laughs> How long ago? I wonder, because I've been playing this since, How long the, ago? since the 60s. A while, a while. No, I wasn't here in the 60s, so I didn't see it. I used I to buy mine from Whirlines uh, on Canal Street. They used to cost $45. Now they cost $700. Bitsy, Bitsy, Bitsy <laughs> Whirlines, do you listen to my show? Do you hear him talking about it? Because... Gina, we wish World Lines was still there, girl. Deb, before you play, I just want to say uh, thank you to uh, two people. Uh, Mr. John Summers, the band director that passed away at the LGS Technology Academy, but he was a, a tremendous advocate for music and marching band. Yes. And also Mr. Jimmy Glickman uh, that passed away with the New Orleans Music Exchange. He was a dear friend we, and a partner of mine. And we're going to do something special for That's those folks. That's who gave folks. me that trombone, So Jimmy. We, we, we worked with him new. over the last five years, and you know, two of our biggest advocates, not only for the Baptiste family, We've but for after-school children really and have. kids, have passed away. All right. In memorial right now. This song is called Fever. Keeps the fever away. <laughs> oh, we're just starting, guys, with these guys. We're going to have to do uh, we're going to have to do quite a few more sessions. But I want you to stay with me now, because when we pull Telly into this discussion, I'm sure you're going to have some perspective on this. All right, so here's Telly. What what? Uh, I mean, I have so many different perspectives that I've been getting from watching all this stuff. Um, one, I have to thank Bernie Sanders for taking that inequality issue and banging the pan constantly uh, about that and making that a mainstream political issue. The kids were out there in the streets of Wall Street during Occupy doing it. Uh, The kids are out there doing Black Lives Matter. This is in a new era, I think, of activism at a time when in New Orleans I feel like after the storm, and I've said this and, and uh, kill me for saying this, but I feel like the black community has been in some kind of um, shock after the storm because we lost so many people. The numbers were down for voting. And so, like, where are our candidates? Where is our election activism? There's been this kind of shutdown that um, pains me. And and I'm looking at what's happening nationally. I'm looking at what, uh, what Bernie said. And then those crazies over on the Republican side. I mean, you know, when I first started watching Trump, I'm from New York. I know Trump's. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I know Trump's left and right in every schoolyard of Queens and Brooklyn and the Bronx. Mm-hmm. I know those guys. And um, <laughs> I went to an all-girls high school to get away from them, quite frankly, because they were such bullies. <laughs> and he's just nothing but a great damn bully. 
absolute classic demagogue taking our fears and our emotions and pinning them on whether it's the muslims or the mexicans whoever he can pin them on mm-hmm. he pins them on and but my perspective and i'm just sorry i'm putting my little thing out there and then i'll pull back and and i want to listen to you because what i'm basically want to do is see how does what's happening nationally get played here and how do we take the glimmer of hope with the election of a democrat in the governor's office albeit a very traditional southern democrat but nonetheless a democrat who cares about people unlike the guy that was in there before who wouldn't even accept medicaid dollars from the federal government I, i mean i just never could get over that so i talked about it a lot but what i feel like is is the issue nationally is that the the economy it's all about the economy history is always about economics and we've had this incredible revolution in the economy the technological revolution we the the industrialists that that 10% of the 1% up there who are making the millions off jobs in china and india and the philippines and the mexico and wherever the hell they are um who stole our jobs who basically stole our jobs from older white people as well as black people so i think the older white people who were in the tea party out of anger frustration disappointment lack of hope lack of expectations all those emotions match the emotions of the younger black kids who can't get a job they're both of them are on the on the other end of the age thing but they're both affected by this incredible revolution and and they're not talking about that in the politics they're talking about oh we want to put up a wall to keep mexicans out that has nothing to do with it it is all about the fact that the jobs are gone mm-hmm. and so people are very very frustrated so what i want to know is how, what what frustrates me is that we as democrats and okay yeah i'm a democrat um i actually was an independent for a long time but i, I had to come to reality and uh, we are not we are not grappling with this issue which is at the heart of it all and we're not messaging about it and i i i don't know what the hell our message is quite frankly i don't hear it out there so it's no wonder that this whole tea party psychology which is essentially a real old fashioned kind of blame somebody it played out in the south mm-hmm. in america it played out in germany mm-hmm. and I, you know i'm not one of these people who calls out that thing all the time but it certainly to me is very reflective when you have an economic disaster you try to blame somebody so that you can hoist your own politics. So that's my little grandstand. That's my soapbox. Now let me come back to you, Telly. How do we take this moment in time that's happening nationally and interpret it in Louisiana so that we can change some minds and hearts, pin the tail on the right donkey, not the wrong one, and and actually help the donkey get back in office here. Well, that's a lot. Uh what I will say is I'm that I'm sorry, uh, that was a little rant. <laughs> that was a rant. What I will say is that um uh, in the state of Louisiana right now, we are in a very bad spot. We should call it what it is. Um we have a budget shortfall of this year from 750 to about 815. They're talking about um, 1.9 next year. A million dollars and 1.9 billion next year, so 
Um, when there's not, when there's less money coming in than it's going out, you have to make tough decisions. Uh, some of those tough decisions are going to have to do with the thing that Mr. Batiste just talked about with, uh, cuts to education. Uh, we will have cuts to higher education. Uh, we will have cuts. That's, that's we, called eating our babies. Yeah. We will, we will not have, uh, pay raises for state employees. Um, unless we can raise additional revenue. Now, some of the ways you can raise additional revenue uh, may be to um, uh, tax yourself. Uh, there is a, a floating idea that we will raise our sales tax by one cent for two years, possibly. A regressive tax. Let's make sure we hit the working people again. A regressive again. tax. Uh, and as a portion of it, I think that there will be some groups that will push uh, for EITC earned income tax credit to try to take some of that tax to give back to working class people as a part of it. And those are conversations that tell you know, I manage political campaigns, but I operate as a lobbyist. I work with both sides. It's just the, the nature of the beast. Uh, so uh, within Mr. Jindal's administration, uh, it is very difficult uh, to deal with some of my Republican friends who, over the course of those eight years, never pushed back. Uh, didn't say anything. Gave uh, free reign. And now we are in a terrible position. It is what it is. There's less money coming out than what's coming in. you got to be able to pay your light bill, water bill, and all those different things. And if you can't pay those things, then now you have to start looking at your bills and make a decision on what you need to cut. So how how does the – the you can appreciate uh, an old white guy. Uh, like Bernie Sanders, and I don't know who else could have done it, uh, for being able to talk about inequality, uh, equity, uh, why women are making less money than men are, uh, and greatly appreciated for him having the opportunity to do it. Um, so that's on the Democratic side. I think, you know, Hillary, clearly Hillary is going to be the front runner. She's the person who's pushing, uh, even though you can see where there are some votes for young people and people who are supposed to be left, uh, African Americans that are going to lean to Mr. Sanders. I don't tell people how to vote. Just, just do that. Just vote and make a decision. Uh, on the Republican side, I'm not as concerned about Donald Trump as everyone else is. I've been a part of 58 political campaigns to be a young guy. Uh, I was raised on Hunters Field, and I, you know, I once heard a preacher say that my heart beats slow. I don't get so concerned when people are being a bully, uh, because the one thing you were taught in the Seven Ward is never trust a scary dude with a gun. And to a degree, Trump is that scary dude uh, within the race. Uh, and so if you can come and rant and rave to some people and talk about better times and what it was like, I don't know why we're so concerned about that. That, In fact, the equivalent of that is a situation where you see that um, uh, how people said that Vitter absolutely wanted to run against Mr. Edwards. We absolutely want Donald Trump to get to the uh, to be the Republican nominee so that we can run against him and beat his brains in. Any one of those guys, whether it's uh, Marco or um, or uh, 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 Trump or um, uh, Cruz is the one who scares me the most, actually. Yeah. Um, uh, are, are frightening to think about. And, yeah, we, we should be able to uh, knock them off. Um, Jake. Hello, ma'am. Yes, sir. What you got? Um, um, I was going back to the discussion of uh, raising funds for the state of Louisiana. Yes. Uh, the state of Alabama, I think that uh, Mr. Telly is a good, he's well-known in the seafood industry, and he's got a lot of ties in it. And he's also a lobbyist. So I was wondering, 
for the sake 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 of Louisianians and seafood, will we uh, could he lobby to get a a ban on foreign seafood like uh, or a seafood testing program like the state of Alabama has, and it bans 90% of the foreign seafood that comes in, so it drives up the price of the local seafood in the state of Alabama. Uh, Jake, are you a are you a fisherman? Well, I'm I'm a fisherman. Also, I wholesale seafood, and I'm also a Republican, hoping that Donald Trump gets in because I I have this belief that uh, even though African Americans have it hard, even though we have an African American president, we've had this the hardest we've had it since Bill Clinton came in and signed the NAFTA that allowed the foreign shrimp to come in. So we've been having it hard since then, and. Um, if Trump gets in, we'll have a fight against China with all the seafood, Vietnam sending in seafood. And then um, with, with the unemployment rate amongst African Americans, once we allow the police department and the Customs and Border Patrol to deport all those people, those jobs are open up and we don't need... Um, Jake, uh, Jake. We don't need, hold on just a second. We don't need um, Unemployment. What's the name of that thing? Wages to go up. They want to raise the un- uh, what is it? The minimum wage. Mm-hmm. We don't need minimum wage rate to be raised because if Trump wins and he deports all those people, all the jobs in America would have to pay even at McDonald's twenty five dollars an hour, thirty, because it's supply and demand. So as a Republican, we hoping that Trump get in. And uh, let me know about the seafood ban. So, Jake. Thank you, Jake. Jake, I'll, I'll go through three very quick points uh, to say absolutely not. First, uh, thank you for, uh, you know, most people know that I'm the former executive director of Louisiana Oyster Association based out of Point of La Hash, Louisiana, where my father-in-law, Byron Enkelade, who's a third-generation oyster fisherman, comes from. So uh, the $2.8 billion industry that's in the state of Louisiana, we are deathly concerned about it for family fisheries. That's how we support African-American and some white restaurants who are family-owned around. Uh, big, you know, big contestant of the seafood ban because we do know in instances at least twice in the last five years uh, where there have been Chinese import and folks were, f- were switching seals, suggesting that that seafood was made uh, within the state of Louisiana and it hurt us. Um, so, and and it's criminal, and I won't name names, but people within the industry know 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 what's going on there. The second part of it is, I don't know how you're going to deport ten and a half million people. Ten and a half million people are the numbers that we talk about for the individuals who's come across the border. And when you deport them, where are they going to go? Back to those places where they originally came from, where usually people come for a reason. As 10 million people, we don't have money to build a wall. If at anything, we need to give these folks the rights and privileges for being here, quite honestly, whether you like it or not, because it makes money for them to help pay taxes. One. Secondly, also help in the insurance industry because those are the individuals that go to emergency rooms when their kids get sick. Uh, and they also depend on public assistance and also public schools. There are a variety of different issues that we can talk about. Lastly, about wages. There's no way in H-E-L-L. Uh, I don't want to get in trouble for cursing on the radio. Lee's going to get me. But with that said, that this is not pre-Katrina. I mean, post-Katrina, rather. If for the initial year or two, the wages are going to go up and be so astronomical. 
if individuals who are African Americans or poor people are choosing to do some of the laborious work that the individuals that come in that have done for us post Katrina, we didn't see black folk or some white folks climbing on roofs of houses or gutting our houses six at a time, getting it done in ten hours. I'm just calling the spade a spade. For the work that I do, Fox Fam America and parts of California. And in Washington, those strawberry farms and those orange patches and places like that, they aren't black and white people are going to do some of those jobs because they see it as many of your labor or selling socks by the side of the freeway. You, you have to be realistic about what the resources are and what we're doing. We are moving to an economy of scale where you have to have a level of intellect in order to participate. I'm a lobbyist. All I see myself as is a cat who was on the Huntersville on the street corner who went to Loyola, put those two things together, and it turned out to be something. It wasn't illegal. I couldn't get in trouble. And I make, you know, decent money doing it. I'm able to provide for my family. So, yeah, I think we have to be realistic about where we are within the country. You know, I, I have to jump in here for a minute because, um, to me, one of the issues that's going on for us in Louisiana also is that we're a, a, a mono economy. You know, when you have a mono economy, an economy that depends on one product, one industry being energy, really, more than anything else here, you, you get in trouble if that industry gets in trouble. So the well, price of oil drops through the basement, and we're screwed. We're in bad shape. Now, to me, one of the major industry areas that we're not developing that could generate a lot of income if we invested in it the way we have invested in the energy industry is our creative industries, mm-hmm. our designers, our our film people, our digital people, our performers, our artists, mm-hmm. our writers, our culinary people, and we're not investing in them. If we would put money in that, and this is the highest growth industry in the world mm-hmm. and everywhere in the world they're putting money into it except here where that is our brand we're going to change that, that is our Jean. brand damon yeah well one of the things that we did post katrina and you talk about from somebody from a katrina survivor and i'm, I'm glad um uh, mr tilly is on because we can do something with the music and i would like to do a barbecue shrimp festival because that's my favorite food <laughs> And we, you know, too. And we, Wait, we, I make we, the best barbecue. And we have guys. we have some people that could actually, you know, challenge. But that is a a, a creative industry to create money. You know, mm-hmm. with food and music, mm-hmm. and that's what well, we do great you, here. Damon, I, I I I think that's a great idea, and I want to see you do that because um, I want to compete because I okay, have well, an incredible recipe. I'm telling you, I have um, Mr. Matt Dillon. You may be out there, but he he was my. Uh, First vice president for the New Orleans South African Connection, and we did many parties at the Ritz-Carlton Penthouse, and people would come there because either a trombone shorty or John Baptiste would play. I came, and I wasn't invited. Well, hey, and Matt was cooking in in the kitchen, the barbecue shrimp, and all these great dignitaries would just be in in, in Mr. Stuart Juno's kitchen like it was an outside barbecue, Mm -hmm. uh, being dignified, undignified, whatever, they made sure that they got a last piece of that barbecue shrimp. So food is, 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 is culture and music. So, but that's what we did post Katrina. We but came my, down. My point, my point yes. about this, Tally, I want you to stay with me for a minute here, is that we need a campaign to get the same kind of dedicated funding 
for investing in this creative industries that the whole food that the tourism industry gets, mm-hmm. that the energy industry gets, that the seafood industry gets. Well, the thing I would like to tell you is that we have a budget in the state of Louisiana of somewhere between twenty four and twenty five billion dollars. With oil and gas being down, I know everybody's cheering because our gas prices are what one a dollar and fifty five right now. If gas isn't at two dollars and fifty cents, the state of Louisiana as a whole is suffering. But whether yeah. you see it or not. So as much as I enjoy buying that cheap gas, we need gas prices to go back up, quite honestly. The second part of that is, as a budget at about $24 billion, there there is 105 people in the House and 39 people in the Senate. About $22 billion of that money is already dedicated. So the additional $2 billion is what people fight over for pet projects. Pet projects might be a bridge needs to be fixed. You need stuff for a street. You build a park, whatever, $200,000, $300,000. And so now when you have to figure out how you're going to cut and where you're going to cut from, you then have you to cut the undedicated, there. which is high. I, un- I understand that argument, and yeah. I totally agree with that. On the other hand, you can't tell me that if we parsed out about $10, $15 million instead of for example, in New Orleans, we only get a quarter of a million dollars for our arts council, for example. Whereas you go to St. Louis, and do you know what? They have a dedicated tax. They have a property tax that's mm-hmm. dedicated to the arts. They raise $40 million in St. Louis alone. Mm-hmm. And, that's, and so uh, uh, 50 out of the top 100 cities in America mm-hmm. have anywhere between 10 and that $40 million mm-hmm. to work with to invest in the creative fields. Imagine, guys, the Batiste brothers here mm-hmm. and dad and son, if we had the kind of money, for example, that just goes to the Convention and Visitors Bureau mm-hmm. or the New Orleans Tourism Marketing Corporation. I don't begrudge them a dime. They need every dime because they have to compete with bigger budgets for tourism outside of Louisiana. However, we need that same dedicated budget. That's what made the difference from when I first came here and the tourism, the CVB office had two people in it, mm-hmm. just like my office now, two people. Mm-hmm. And now look at it. It's a behemoth. Why? Because they proved the economic impact and they got dedicated funding. I'm sorry. I understand dedicated funding is a bad word because mm-hmm. it does have an effect on the things that are not dedicated. Mm-hmm. But this is something you can't tell me we can't afford $10 million out of that budget to invest in the creative industries. And, and, Tell me and, we can't and, do that. And they, need to, they need to invest in re-educating the workers, as Telly was saying. The industry has changed now. So you got all of these baby boomers and their sons and their children that age, that age range from maybe 30 years old to 60 years old, that could be retrained into doing other types of jobs. Thank you. So shorter jobs that, that won't take a long time to retrain them, to put them back into the workforce, you. and you won't have all these people walking up and down the street you got looking it all. for work. Exactly, exactly. Re-educate and, them. And, and Set them night school for them. And so I, I'm going to just say this about the school, that when, when you said there has to be at least $10 million, when we came back, we basically worked with the Recover School District, Mr. Paul Vallis at the time, and actually advocated for a – a charter school, which is which was at least for three years the Baptiste Culture Arts Academy, and that changed the system around. We basically started a movement. Uh, so we we know that it can be done, and that's why I came today to say uh, we we will partner with your uh, collaborative or collective of uh, artists. We're called the Creative Alliance of New Orleans. The Creative, can, can. The Creative Alliance of New oh. Orleans, and basically. Um, uh, bringing our friends, you know, from all around the state of Louisiana and just get it done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, guys, I, I just I'm blown away by uh, this this discussion today. And, and um, we haven't even touched on 
all the things that the Batistes are involved in telling. Uh, give me just, we just have a few minutes left. Give me a little heads up mm-hmm. on this legislative session. And uh, I'm going to talk to you after the show, but I want to know, what can we do? We voters, we activists, we creatives, what can we do to have some impact on the upcoming session, the upcoming administrations, I feel like we have some stars aligned for us. I feel like you have Edwards is a, seems to be a pretty good guy. His wife is a music teacher. She's going to help us, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, Billy Nungesser, different kind of politics, but he's a bulldog advocate, and I believe that he's going to really help us. He's not going to stay within the bounds of his job. He's going to do whatever it takes. So we have some stars like Dardan now in, in, in the... Division he, of Administration. He's, he, Division of Administration, y'all. That's the, that's the CFO. That's the Chief Financial Officer for the state. He's a big so supporter we got a of ours as well, music and, and arts. And I'm so sorry Walter Legere didn't get the uh, uh, the speaker. speaker in the house, but he's going to still be there and fighting for us. What can we do to help these guys? What is the wedge that we can can? Um, I think you know we have a special session that's starting on Valentine's Day, and I don't know how much love is going to be, <laughs> but it is starting on Valentine's Day. Where specifically we'll be talking about the budget and how we plug this shortfall. Uh, legislative session, the regular one, will be in March, and I think. When legislators call and say that they need folks to participate, they need individuals to come up to Baton Rouge. Come up and actively participate. Tell your story. Follow the directions so that you can be a part of the process. If you're looking for money, you got to figure out what your game plan is, what committee it's going to go to, what vote it's going to be, and how you transfer and get the money back uh, to New Orleans or to whatever area you're coming from. So there is a lot of opportunity in this upcoming session. There are always going to be people like me who are grappling over money. For I do Bayou Classic. I also do work for all these parish school boards. Uh, in trying to get the schools back uh, under that body and authority. So there are a variety of issues. You just got to hone in. Well, um, again, we're going to talk some more. I want to know exactly uh, what the opportunities are. So do you actually think that we could carve out some funding for the creative industries in this session? Because to me, that's that's the long-term solution is get us out of the being dependent on one industry and, and go with where our talents are. I think you and Baton Rouge can always get some of what you want, but never all of it. On that note, some but not all of Carnival is coming up. I'm going to be in a pedicab in the St. Anne Parade playing Joan of Arc, fall on the sword, as I always do in my life. I do whatever I have to do to help. Damon, David, Telly, I love this show. I'm going to have you all back together again. And I want you to keep us informed on the session and, and maybe call in even uh, and, and keep us up to date. And we'll be talking a lot about what's going to go on in the spring at Carver. And, uh, I'm going to try and get Telly to be my personal lobbyist. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. All right. It is Crosstown Conversations. Chuck Perkins, did you know there was a club named the Perkins Club? Are you related to the Perkins Club? You sure? Are you sure? Chuck Perkins coming up next. This is Gene Nathan, Crosstown Conversations. Goodbye, y'all. Have a great carnival. Come out to the St. Anne Parade and see me in my little petty cab. Bye.